This is X St. Anderson and welcome to the principal podcast today. Today, I have the honor of having Dr. Sheila Carroll on our show. She's a board certified pediatrician. She works with parents who are willing to focus on modifying their own behaviors to ultimately help their children's health. And she's dedicated to helping children achieve their best health, which is so awesome. She's an, an, an obes excuse me, obesity medical physician, um, an obesity medicine physician, and just thrilled to have you on the show today, Sheila. Thank you for being here with us. How did you how did you get to this point where you're starting to help where you want to help parents help their children? Well, thanks for having me, Maxine. I'm um, so excited to be here too. Um, I got started, well, I've been a pediatrician for about 23 years now, and more recently board certified in obesity medicine. That's kind of something new and newer over the past several years in medicine. But I, I got really got interested in um, helping parents be able to best help their children. I think because I kind of saw where our current medical system might be weak in those areas. For example, you know, for example, uh, pediatricians, you know, we take care of a lot of illnesses, but we're also supposed to do a lot of preventative medicine, education, helping the parents. And, you know, in a 15 minute visit or a 20 minute visit with your doctor once a year, it is impossible to get all of that stuff done. And so I was seeing a lot of my patients who are the kids, I was seeing them struggling because their parents weren't quite sure what the best way to help them would be. And it's hard for parents to get that information. Number one, there's so much conflicting information. And number two, you know, once it's, there's a difference and there's a gap between knowing what to do and then how to actually do it. So the implementation phase. So I transitioned out of my clinical medicine role um, and now work with to coach as a coach for parents helping kids especially parents of kids who are struggling with extra weight learn um, what they can do as a family to change th their health habits to create the lifestyle that is going to lead to optimal health for their child but also for themselves and their whole family. Right. I love that. You know, I've heard it said that there's three things that are important when you're trying to teach somebody and they're example, example, and example. <laughs> and, I'm, and so my, 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 um, my question to you is, so if you're a parent and maybe you don't have, I mean, the greatest lifestyle habits yourself, what do you do to help if your children? No, oh, what if, if sorry, did you say if you don't have the greatest lifestyle habits yourself or wow. if you, yeah. Wow. Yeah. So sometimes there's, there's two things there. Like I have some parents who realize like, oh, I actually could be, you know, uh, tweaking my own lifestyle habits, buffing things up a little bit, improve my own health. And then I can, then I can work towards improving my child's health at the same time. Um, and I also have clients who have really wonderful health habits as parents, and usually these are teenagers, of, they're parents of teenagers, but their teens are potentially making choices that, their that the parents wished they weren't. And so how to 
how do parents in that situation help those kids as well? But you're exactly right that one thing that both of those types of parents have in common is really one of the most powerful ways to help your child is to model the behaviors you want them to see because we know they're watching everything that we do. I just have one child. I know you have several, um, but I, I have one son, Theo. He's 11 years old and he notices almost everything that I do. Um, and so I'm very conscious about my screen usage. I'm conscious about how I talk, especially I talk about my body or talk about my weight or what I'm eating. Um, and so, you know, there's so much work for parents to do that, you know, their kids will just absorb the downstream benefits of that. And you, you don't even have to ask your child to do anything or change anything or it really involved them right away in anything. There's work to be done in, on the parents themselves. I love that. So tell us this, what are some things you would tell parents right now to help their kids have this healthy lifestyle? What would you tell them to do or that's important? What, what would you tell them to focus on? Well, I think what we really need to realize is as parents, the world that we are living in in 2023 uh, the world, the food environment that we are living in is not healthy for any of us. And what I mean is the, by most Americans are eating the standard American diet, they call it, which is also, you know, sad if you put out standard American. <laughs> Good acronym. Thank you. It's a great acronym, yeah. but what, mm. you know, it's, it's a lot of highly processed, ultra processed foods that are, wreaking havoc on our bodies because, and this is what I love explaining to parents is our human bodies, we've evolved over millions of years. We weren't designed as human beings to, for our bodies to manage the uh, amount of added sugars that are coming in, the amount of dye, you know, dyes, chemicals, additives, um, all of the all of the things that are part of our modern, that make our modern life kind of easier. You know, it's super convenient, um, you know, sometimes more economical to buy uh, uh, highly processed foods. However, we are seeing, we're certainly seeing in the adult world, and it is trickling down into our kids, that our bodies weren't designed for this metabolically. And metabolically, we are suffering and more and more research and data is coming out about the, the link between metabolic health and mental health, metabolic health and Alzheimer's, metabolic health and heart disease. Um, I mean, just name cancer, you know. Type so two diabetes, you hear? Type oh, two diabetes, exactly, yeah. And so when we talk about overweight or carrying extra weight, um, you know, that, that it's, it's, it's the metabolic problems caught, you know, that's kind of a sign of underlying metabolic problems. And, you know, it's, it is kind of complicated, but where you store your weight matters, but we are seeing more and more kids because of the food choices, they're storing their weight in places for, it's called visceral, visceral adiposity or visceral fat. That's, uh, it, causing organ damage in their liver um, 
and leading to problems, insulin resistance, just tons and tons of problems based on the food the environment that we are living in. And so I think it's just important for parents to just be aware. Don't, I'm not hopeless about it. I hope, I, I don't want to make it seem hopeless, but what it, what it is, is, oh, okay. I see what's happening here. I, now I need to, now I can figure out what I am going to do about that. And, and it's empowering really once you know what the real problems are. I love this. And it seems to me that once you know what the real problems are, you as a parent can change that thing. And a lot of times, you know, one of the things we talk, I've talked about a lot on this podcast is how your little tiny decisions have this massive effect. So when you're going to the grocery store and you say, okay, I'm walking down and I see this item that I bought a lot of, and it happens to be a, a highly processed, it's in a package. Maybe instead of doing that, I can choose something that you would get on just a farm. So instead of saying, I'm going to go buy this highly packaged and it tastes good and you have to take it out of the wrapper because it's, it was processed in a factory, or I could buy some oranges or some apples or some carrots or some, some salad or something. Those choices that you make just walking down the grocery aisle actually affect your children's mental health it affects their long-term health outlook. It affects, I mean, just the fact it could affect future relationships, Alzheimer's, type two diabetes, heart problems, all these kinds of things. And it's just whether I pick up something on this aisle or something on this aisle, which is a small choice, but perhaps we can make a more conscious choice as we're shopping for the food to say, I'm going to put stuff that's healthy, that's fruits and vegetables or grains or something rather than that nice package thing that's really easy and I can pop it in the microwave, but it's so processed, it's really not helping my family. Is that what I'm hearing? Exactly. And we have to be, yeah, we have to take that approach that that is really the only way for our health. Uh, you know, in my opinion, I don't see us surviving the processed food, you know, environment any better than we already are and we're not doing well right now with that the problem for parents is what i was just going to add is like you know they often say my child won't eat that i'll buy it it'll go to waste my child doesn't like that i he won't you know he's a picky eater or whatever you know whatever the word they use and i think that that is for sure a problem but also I think there's there's understanding that parents could have of potentially why is your child not you know why is your child liking for my son he loves Doritos and you know I don't buy those very regularly for him he can have them once in a while you know but I I uh, I understand what's going on in his brain and why he likes those. And so I explained to him, hey, Theo, these you love these. They do taste good. They taste amazing to you. Your they were made in a factory to trigger your brain dopamine response. So your brain is when you eat those, your brain's getting an immediate signal like, oh my goodness, this tastes so good. And that is the same signal evolutionarily that has kept humans alive for millions and millions of years. When we would find sweet things, 
they they were good for us because there's nothing sweet in nature that's poisonous and so our bodies evolved to really like sweet things the problem mm. is our bodies can handle all the fruit all the vegetables all you know all the, most of the complex carbohydrates that are out there but we we can't handle the amount of added sugars and uh, extra things that are in our processed foods so that might not affect my son's choice to eat those doritos right in that moment he's 11 years old and his prefrontal cortex, like the most thinking part of his brain is not quite fully developed. Well, it's not gonna be developed till he's 25 or 26. So we have some years to go, but it's mm -hmm. still worth it explaining that to your child because they are, then they will start to see why they like those foods. Mm. And the other side of that coin is, and here's what's happening when you eat an apple or an orange. Yes, there's natural sugar in, in this fruit, it, but it's a much lesser amount than the amount you're getting in the Doritos or, or whatever candy you're eating or whatever other thing you're eating. It's a much lesser amount. So your brain's dopamine response, their pleasure response is gonna be much lower. And so, you know, I think kids can under start to understand that over time when we explain it to them that way. And then parents just also have to understand is that, you know, things with sugar taste good to kids. And that's, they might say, well, I don't like, I don't like to eat apples. I don't like to eat oranges. I don't like fruit. But I think what they're in their minds, they're also comparing the sweetness, the sugar taste of what they've already what they usually are experiencing with high processed foods versus natural foods. You know, your taste buds get used to what you're eating. And so if you are eating sugary food, tons of added sugars, we're supposed to have, kids are supposed to have at a maximum 25 grams of added sugar per day. If you're under two years old, you're supposed to have zero added sugars. And then two to 19, 25 grams, which is about six teaspoons, if you were to ladle out. And some people, some kids are getting this in one meal. Well, more. one Gatorade has 39 grams of, uh, 39 grams of sugar. So these so you think half a Gatorade, you're done. <laughs> you're done for the whole yeah. day. And think about, think about breakfast cereals or a donut or a muffin or what your kids are getting at school. So their taste buds are wired for sugar and their taste buds won't be able to taste the natural sugar in a carrot or a roasted vegetable right now. Your taste buds flip over about every 14 days. So the, however amount, however amount you can cut back on, on your added sugars, you're, you're kind of improving your ability to taste the natural sugars that are out there. I like this. I like what you said about, um, well, first of all, just as a good parenting technique for almost anything to explain, hey, this is the reason why mm. this could be a good choice or this may not be as good a choice, you know, in any area of life, but saying, hey, you know, this is what happens when you eat a Dorito. This is what happens when you eat an orange and explaining why that's a great parenting technique. But let's just say 
and, and let me back up a little bit. I got to tell you, I, I was raised in a family where we just ate. We were told we get to eat what, what's on our plate, right? <laughs> and so in some ways, um, there was a little bit of pushback. I came from kind of a large family. There's a little bit of pushback. But it, it, I, I actually was grateful for it later on because I learned to like so many things. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It, it, and you may say, well, that's kind of harsh. It, truthfully, I don't feel that way growing up. I mean, I didn't feel that way. It was just like, this is what we're going to eat. So this is what's for food. Um, I'm not saying that works for every family. I'm not trying to push that on anybody. But let me ask you this. If a child won't eat something, is there, what is a parent supposed to do in addition to explaining the reasons why? Do you have any other ideas about what a parent could or should do if, if a parent, if a kid really just refuses to eat? Yeah, so there's lots of things. So there's, so of course, just like you and me, children, um, there are going to be things where your child's like, my son does not like zucchini. I've tried it several different ways. He just, he just doesn't like it. And so that's okay. Like, okay, I can give up the zucchini. I'm not going to force him. Um, mm -hmm. But, you know, but I did try it several different ways. And so that's one technique you can try to, if we're just talking vegetables here, that usually is the big, the big thing for parents is, you know, try to roast them or grill them or boil them or have them raw, different sauces, different dips, things like that. Um, and the other thing, there's so many great tips. So what we talk about is exposure to the food and lots of kids, you know, back when we were kids too, we may not have been willing to eat something right off the bat. We're, you know, also wired to be slightly skeptical of new things. And so it takes multiple exposures. And I guess the data suggests that up to 15 or more exposures to a food before a child could potentially be willing to eat it or be comfortable with it. Um, but exposures can be things like, you know, even talking about it in a way, okay, what should we have for dinner? Let's talk about what would make up a healthy dinner for us. And then if your child's willing, you could have them go to the grocery store with you. Hey, can you go pick out the eggplants for us? Can you go get some, you know, whatever, you know, get the onions and just holding that and touching it, that's an exposure to that food. And then if you have time <laughs> and the bandwidth uh, you to have your kids help you cook, that's another wonderful exposure. Kids are kids are often a lot more willing to eat something that they've had their hand in making. Um, and then, you know, there's, there's so many things you can put just a small amount, you can put it on the table as a family style and put maybe like a tiny, tiny or a micro dose of the vegetable on their plate. That's an exposure. And so I guess the message is just don't give up. Um, you don't have to, the other thing is my big message or my, my big approach is also, we don't want to be making our kids feel pressured like they have to eat something you have to eat that it's healthy for you, you. it's great huh? <laughs> you get to eat it <laughs> yeah you get to eat it yeah exactly exactly it's, it's great. your anyway keep going sorry but we sometimes you know just well if you if you don't have take two bites of your broccoli there's no dessert for you or you don't get to go outside or you can't be on tv so sometimes parents in desperation, <laughs> trying to get their child to eat more vegetables or eat something, 
they tie it to a reward or a punishment. That puts a lot of pressure on a child. And so uh, my advice is to just refrain from doing any of that, refrain from commenting, and also refrain from commenting on the good things that you might see. Like if your child does have a few bites of peas or whatever, don't, don't be like, oh my gosh, this is so amazing. You are doing, you know, just, okay, this is normal. This is what we expect. Of course, mm -hmm. of course you're eating the peas. Just normal, normalize having all of these different kinds of foods. I love that. I was talking to my brother about this whole health thing. And he said, you know, I'm as weak as anybody. If something's in my house and I'm hungry, I want to eat it. So to me, it seems like one of the most important things we can do as parents is make the choices while we're at the grocery store or before we, better yet, planning beforehand what we're mm. going to get when we go to the grocery store. So I'd like to hear your hands-on because I, I'm guessing there's parents that are listening to this podcast who are like, you know, I don't know exactly what. What, what goes through your mind when you're going through the grocery store and you're saying, I'm going to, I'm going to shop for my son or my family this yeah. week. What kind of things are you getting? I mean, I'm specifically, what kind of things are you putting in your cart or, or bringing home to, from the store? I am always putting coffee in my cart first. <laughs> Just <Okay>. joking. <laughs> I'm totally, I'm totally joking. Um, I, you know, no, I am really trying to focus on eating real, whole, unprocessed foods and foods without a lot of added sugars. So I'm buying, if I'm buying um, spaghetti sauce, I am buying a sugar-free kind of spaghetti sauce. If I'm buying- You're actually looking at the label, you'll pick up the label and see yeah, how many for sure. added sugars on the label. You have say, to. Right. Yeah. Perfect. I, my son likes this barbecue sauce, which, you know, I, we've a friend brought over and he just loved it. And it had something like 35 grams of sugar in two tablespoons. So there's all of these hidden sugars that are, that we are consuming and our kids are consuming. Um, and so, yes, you have to be, you have to read the labels. You have to understand what you're looking for, but I I shop the perimeter. I'm sure you've heard that idea of shop the perimeter of your grocery store. I am buying eggs. I am buying meat. I am buying chicken. I am buying fish. I'm buying vegetables, fruit. Um, my son is in fifth grade, so he goes to school. So I am planning in advance. Okay, what am I going to be able to pack for snacks for him? Um, and so I do make a list in advance almost all the time, but I tend to buy, now I tend to buy the same things over and over. Um, you know, I buy, I buy. So whole foods that are not in coming out of a factory. So in other words, if it's in a box with a wrapper, maybe it's a little bit of a wait, let's just think about it. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, or is there a way to kind of recreate that in a healthier version without, without all of the other things that they add into it so it can be shelf stable for so long. And of course I am not perfect at this and not, not even perfect. I don't even like that word. It's like, I am all just about progress over perfection because, you know, I buy, I, well, I, I have stopped buying Doritos. I have to say. <laughs> and I don't buy, I just don't buy them anymore because well, my son's 11. He goes to birthday parties. 
he goes, he's playing Little League. He's, there's the snack shack. They are selling all of that stuff. And I don't so bring want, it home too, <laughs> right? Yeah, exactly. There's no need for me. My approach is I am not bringing that home. If he's going to choose to eat that, he, he, can, he can enjoy that outside the house. That's fine because that at least separates it into a little bit more of a, you know, I don't want to use the word treat or, you know, something because it's really not a treat, but it's, you know what I mean? At least it's, it's not our usual, it's not usually what we're eating here at home. So, but this is the world that we're living in. I mean, not everybody thinks it like I do, obviously, um, or like you do, or, you know, each of us are individuals. And that's, that's where the work is for the parent is to figure out where do you want to come down on this? in your life and what what road do you want to take and what do you, and knowing your child and how how are you going to work with your child to get to a healthy spot it's very individual that's interesting it, it, talking about individual i'll tell you that was really interesting we watched as a family this show about sugar and how it, the, the negative effects and my son was like i don't want to eat sugar anymore because just watching the show together i mean we're watching the negative effects yeah. Um, I believe it may have been fed up by Katie Cork. I don't know if you've seen I saw that. that one. Yeah. And anyway, he decided he didn't want to go on sugar. And he actually kind of, he actually asked me for, uh, to kind of bribe him. And he sounds like he says, dad, will you pay me if I go, uh, you know, six months without eating sugar? And I said, oh, no, wow. okay, I'll do it. Yeah. And I thought it was, it was really interesting. Cause my other, my other, uh, I, my other, my daughter, my other son, said hey dad they came up to me later they saw that he'd done this and and i wasn't putting pressure on him at all i just they said hey dad if i go six months without even sugar you'll pay me 300 bucks and i said okay <laughs> and so here's the thing it's really interesting because when there's this kind of a game going on where they won't eat, we'll go to it like a like a gathering extended family gathering where people are there's lots of ice cream and they're so disciplined they're not they're not yeah. Oh, wow. and, my, and everybody's kind of a, they're kind of amazed and I said well they kind of asked me if I'd pay them and I said yes and and uh there it's because they're going to earn it and they're going to go and 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 it's kind of been an interesting thing um even though I guess I am kind of bribing them not to eat sugar um I think they've got good help and so that that's a personal approach that may not work with all families but I'm just telling you it was one that is actually working in That's our family so interesting. my kids actually just they'll they'll be they'll say does anybody want ice cream and they're like no and and it kind of i gotta tell you my in-laws they're kind of like your kids don't eat sugar i'm like well i, I didn't pressure my promise yeah, <laughs> so just, yeah. but it's kind of this fun game that we played um which is interesting Can so i say something about that too and sure, just sure. because in my experience there is a wide variety of kids and and how they are drawn to foods with added sugars. Some kids, like it sounds like your kids, might be just wired slightly differently. Their hormonal response to sugar, um, how their brain is interpreting the sugar, they might have less of a pull towards it. And you know, some kids are you know have have a lot more pull towards it, even as young ages. So that, that's why I think, you know, the whole, um, you know, the topic or the, the 
historical approach of like, well, when people are overweight, it's their own fault. They just eat too much. They, they don't have any willpower. They're not, you know, this, this blaming and shaming of the person. The truth is everybody's physiology, how their body is working is so different, even two kids in the same family. And so some people just tend to store weight more easily than other people. And I do. I'm one of those people who store weight easier than other yes. people. <laughs> but me too. Me too. I'm one of five kids and I was overweight when I was a child, like around 10 years old and on and off from there on. Um, and I have two siblings who, who ate the same things that I did and were very lean. Um, and we, we were all busy. We were all kind of doing the same thing. But so I guess this is the thing for parents. You really have to with curiosity and compassion and empathy, look at, look at your child's current habits, understand what's going on for them. My son personally is a guy who loves to talk about food. He loves to think about food. He's in, and he has friends, other 11 year old boys who don't care. They come over, they would eat half of a you know, half of a sandwich or half of something and they're, they're done. They're out the door. They are, they are just have a very different physiology than, than my son and lots of kids. So I think that's important for parents to know too. I think physiology is probably a huge component. And I'm guessing also to the environment you create. So in other words, if, 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 it, if at my house, there's Doritos everywhere, or there's sugar cereal everywhere, or there's a bunch of snacks that are kind of carby from the manufacturer that I can actually make the environment can also affect like, okay, now I really know I like these things. Mm. Whereas if, if, if my kids go to the refrigerator and there's like some oranges and some apples and I say, Hey, you guys can have oranges or apples anytime you want, instead of some sort of snacky something too. So I think probably the physiology, as you mentioned, is one thing for sure. And there's also the environmental piece, which we as parents can choose what goes in that refrigerator. We can choose what's actually available in the pantry. We can say, hey, these, you know, and, 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 and I, one of the things I was going to ask you about too, you said something that kind of interested me a little bit before you said that every 14 days, our, our taste buds flip. Is mm -hmm. that right? Yeah. I'm wondering if because of that, you know, if I actually start eating healthier, maybe that healthy food starts to taste better to me. Yes. And so yeah. if your kids don't immediately go onto it, don't despair. Just yeah. keep feeding healthy food, knowing that in a two or three weeks, maybe they'll actually really start to like it after that 15 exposures or whatever it is. Yeah. They won't eat it, so they'll never eat it. Maybe I just need to be patient, take the slow game, and let their taste buds change a little bit. And yeah. even if I'm a slightly mean parent because of it, it's like, yeah, we're going to eat eggplant, even though we may not really love it yet. Um because they might decide they like eggplant, even if it takes two or three weeks. Am I right in saying that? Totally. Yeah, amazing. And I don't think that's being mean. I think that's being yeah. kind. I mean, that no, is being, that is being a leader in your family. That is being that is protecting them. And the other and thing, I know I said that I meant they might perceive me as mean. You're right. I agree with you. Oh there. yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think sometimes parents feel like, oh, I'm being mean. I said no. I said no. We can't have ice cream. Or I stopped buying Doritos. I'm like cruel. It's unusual. My son used to say like, uh, that's what not cruel. Say? That's protecting. Child protection. 
that's protecting that. I love it. Yeah, well, he was like, I'm going to call child protection or just joking around because he knows my job. And uh, I was like, yeah, that's fine. Go right ahead. You can go. <laughs> but the other thing that I think is so important, especially if parents, you know, maybe go first and give up sugar themselves or really cut way back. It, when when you do that, you may have a little withdrawal. You know, I know I did when I gave it up. I, I did feel a little low energy and a headache for a couple of days. But if you can get, when, when you get through that and you're on the other side of that, it feels so good. You have so much more energy. And the truth is you're not hungry. You're much, much less hungry because it is these highly processed foods that are, you know, causing, spiking our hunger hormones and making our insulin go up to, and then it comes back down. And then we are needing to eat more frequently. So when you give up all, a lot of these added sugars, added flours, then you, you're less hungry and you have more energy, you're sleeping better, you're less brain fog. I mean, you just feel so good. You are gonna, as a parent, you are gonna say, why didn't I do this before? I love that. And even if there's a little bit of pushback from your children, we're saying, hey, we're gonna eat healthy. And these are some good mm -hmm. reasons we talk about it. Why? That, that is not being a mean parent to say, no. hey, it's being a protective parent. You're, you're saying, I'm protecting you from metabolic disease, from possibly getting type two diabetes or having heart problems or having, you know, being o o overweight to the point where it affects you socially in some situations. You know what I'm saying? You're, you're actually protecting your children by saying, Hey, we're going to learn to eat healthy. And we may not like it yet, but we, I think we, we might be able to like it later. So let's keep doing it. Right. And we and can so make it fun and we can make it, you know, simple and sustainable. And yes, it is so protective because what's coming out more and more in the medical literature is the fact that our, like, like I mentioned that our bodies aren't handling this highly processed added sugars, fructose. We're not, we don't have the enzyme to break down fructose very well. And our bodies aren't handling it. That chronic inflammation, it's actually leading to Alzheimer's and cancers down the line. So if somebody gets Alzheimer's in their 60s and 70s, that's not something that started when they were 60 years old. That's not a process. Now we don't think that that's a process that started in old age. It's probably starting, it's, it's gradually, gradually accumulating over the decades of your life. And so for me, yes, it's about weight and I struggled with overweight and that had a lot of that had a lot of negative, you know, I felt badly about myself and there, there's that whole piece of, of it. But really the truth is, even if you have a average weight child or a normal weight child or a, even a thin child, they shouldn't be eating those highly processed foods either. And, right. and this is for all kids and all, all humans, all families, all of us, our bodies weren't designed to handle it. I love that. You know what? I let's talk a little bit about movement, about exercise, about mm. getting. Uh, you know, one of the things I've noticed. Um, well, let me just back up here. I had a I had a friend named Brody who lived in a neighborhood uh, I used to live in, 
And he said, he did this, this Spartacus workout. And the Spartacus workout, he said, it was really, really hard. He goes, I hated it because I hated doing it because I was so sore, but he goes, I committed to do it. So I did it, I did it daily, but he goes, it just was awful. I hated doing this workout. I hated doing this workout, but I kept doing it. I kept doing it. And he said, it was really interesting because right around, and I'm using his words when he said, hate, okay, I'm saying because I hate it. But anyway, he said, really, it was really interesting right around week two and a half or three, something changed. He said, instead of I got to the end of this workout and he goes, I don't remember the exact date. It was right around week two and a half or three. I got to the end of the workout. And instead of just hating me, he goes, I felt like I was just getting started and I actually wanted to do the workout again. And I think this is really an interesting principle because basically what he did is he led his feelings. In other words, he did not feel like working out, right. but he kept doing it. And then two and a half or three weeks later, somewhere in there, he all of a sudden feels like working out. Now, if we go the opposite direction to say, well, I'm not gonna work out until I feel like it, until the feeling just kind of wafts by. I'll just sit on the couch and eat potato chips until I feel like working out. Problem is you probably will never feel like working out, right? right. And I think one of the things we can do is if we're willing to say, I'm gonna be disciplined and do it, even though it's not, that, it's not something I enjoy yet, we'll enjoy it, but also we'll have all these benefits. And if our children can see us doing it, mm then it'll be like, wow, mom does it, dad does it. Let's go running in the morning or let's do an aerobic video workout or let's go do some sit-ups on the couch or something, I mean, something. And you'll actually feel that, that the energy that comes, the endorphins that come from it. Tell me your thoughts on that, I'm just curious. Well, I love what you said and what your friend, your friend Brody was doing was, he, he might not have realized it, but that's what coaching is. That, that is what exactly what you described, that his feelings drove his actions. So um, for even though, and so what we're looking at, what we're talking about with coaching. How to do the action before he felt like, and then his feelings actually followed the action as well, right? Like he actually led his feelings with his actions in some ways. Well, right? he might've, you know, he, he it might appear that way, but what, he so this is the thing when we have a, a thought we don't feel anything until we have a thought our thoughts create our feelings and our feelings drive our actions so he might not have been he he must have been having more than one feeling because something drove him because if he was feeling like i don't want to do this he he wouldn't do it right if that was the only feeling he had so right. he had to have had he might have been holding that one feeling in one hand and in the other hand had the feeling of willingness to do it or motivated to do it. So he was having multiple different thoughts going on. I know this is good for me or I told myself I told you know myself I was going to do this. I'm a person who keeps my word to myself. And so he 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 somehow was creating these thoughts. I mean, he somehow was creating these feelings that drove his actions. So this is how, this is exactly how, how you can create your feelings on purpose. Like, how do I want to feel about, well, like just, we'll just, you know, we could just even use, how do you want to feel about your child? Well, I want to feel love for my child. Okay. So go backwards. What are the thoughts I need to have that are going to create that feeling of love for my child for me? 
And if we're talking about health habits, we'll go back to exercise. If I want to go for a walk after dinner, so my action is take a walk. And then what's the feeling I need to, to take that walk? I need to feel committed to it or motivated to it. I bet that that's the feeling your friend had committed because you said he, he planned to do it. He was going to do it for two, what, however many weeks. And so from a place of committed, then he took the action of doing it. So this is what we do in coaching. Like, how do you, once you know what to eat, how do you actually get yourself to eat it when push comes to shove and your your primitive brain, your like caveman brain is offering you, you know what, it'd be so much easier to just get pizza tonight. You know what, just go through the drive-thru, it's fine. You have to understand that those thoughts are coming up from your primitive brain. They're optional, they're thought errors. <laughs> you can look at them like, oh, that's just an error. And then you can think on purpose. I'm eating, I'm going to eat what I planned because I want the result of what that's going to give me. And then you feel committed and then you follow through on your plan. So this is the power of coaching. And, and this is why kids can't do this for themselves. This involves your prefrontal cortex. It's the meta skill of being able to think about your own thinking. And kids, like I mentioned before, their prefrontal cortexes aren't fully developed until they're 25 or 26. And this is what people need to actually do what they want to do, but can't seem to get themselves to do. So interesting. I appreciate you bringing this up. So you're actually a coach, Sheila, is that right? I mean, you coach yeah. to kind of coach their kids. So you kind of coach the coaches to coach. The, is that right? What I'm saying? Yeah, well, I yeah. I coach the parents to the, to create, to be how they want to be, to be the parent, to parent on purpose and to show up for their child, how they want to. And that, you know, that is with their relationship with their child. It's all, but it's also with their health habits and how they structure that for their family. So it's so powerful. It's so powerful for kid to help the kids and the kids aren't even involved. All the work is being done by the parent. I love that. So you're helping parents help their children. Wow. What a valuable, how can people get a hold of you, Sheila, if they want to? I think the easiest way is my website. It's my whole name, SheilaCarrollMD.com. And you can email me through there. I'm on Instagram too, um, Sheila, at SheilaCarrollMD. Awesome. And we'll put that in the show notes for any of those. Uh, and if those interested in connecting with Sheila, please do. Let me ask you one more question. Um, if there's anything you would leave as just, you know, a really like a, a good morsel of a tip that you would give a parent, what would you say? I mean, if, you could, if you could boil it down to like, this is my top tip, or this is my main thing, or, you know, remember this one thing, um, what would you say? Well, I guess I would say that your child is always watching you. So be aware and any little bit, any little 1% uh, change that you might be willing to make or really any self-reflection that you might be willing to make, um, that, will, that will benefit your child. 
So it, it doesn't have to be huge sweeping, you know, massive changes all at once, but one little change here, one little change here, one little change there. And um, with compassion and kindness, this is hard. This is hard oh, stuff, right. you know? And so we wanna feel, you know, I always tell my, tell my clients, my parents, um, the first place to start is fully accepting your child for who they are right now. We're not trying to change your health habits so that they're more valuable or more worthy in any way. They, your child, just like every other child, just like you, just like me, all of us are 100% worthy right now. We can change our health habits to improve our lives, to grow, to evolve, to be able to enjoy and experience different things in life, but we're not doing it so that we're better or more valuable. And so I it's think- It's not about our identity. It's about just helping to create habits that will help us have more energy and better life. Experience. And be more of who we really are. And that's what we want our kids to be. We want our kids to really reach their, the potential of who they really are. And that's, that's the beauty of being a parent and watching your child grow like that. I love that. Sheila Carroll, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. For, again, for any of those wanting to reach out to Sheila, look for her in the show notes and visit your website. Again, tell us your website one more time. SheilaCarrollMD.com. Perfect. Sheila, thank you so much for being on the show today. Thank and, you so much. Yep, we'll go from there. Yes. <laughs>